Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Many of you know Tony Meyer. Tony was on staff here at Life Church as our worship pastor for several years, also had been Chi Alpha pastor here in town. And more than just being on staff here, more than being a, a very uh, valuable part of our church staff, he's also been a very, very close friend of mine and uh, a confidant, a person that I can, I can we, we talk on a regular basis. Come on up here, Tony. We talk on a regular basis he, we, we, uh, over the phone, and it's like we pick up our relationship, just picks up right where it left off. We cry over the phone. We pray over the phone. In fact, the last time I talked to you, you prayed for me over the phone, which was just amazing. So love you, Tony, man. Just have your liberty, brother. He has a word from the Lord for us. Amen. All right. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be back. Um, so good to see so many familiar faces and many new faces. I know if you're newer, you don't know me, you don't really care that I'm here, and that is just fine. That is just fine. But um, we're honored to be here. My wife, Kayla, um, is here with our one-month-old baby, and I think she went up to Cedar Rapids second service, so she's a woman of the people, so I hope she comes back <laughs> and picks me up, or otherwise I might need to get a ride from one of you guys. Well, it's an expensive Uber trip home, uh, back to Ames, but um, yeah, I just, I hope you know what a gift that you have in uh, Pastor Rich and Christy. Um, not every church has pastors who are willing to lay down their lives for their people, and that has, still has that heart of passion to see people give their lives to Jesus. Uh, I want you to know that he's the same man on Sunday morning up here as he went, is when he's by himself and with his family. Uh, when no one else is looking, he's the same, and that's such a valuable gift, and I hope you appreciate them. Would you appreciate them? This has been a hard year for pastors. It's been a hard year for everybody, but... Um, in particular, pastors. So give him a hug, encourage him, give him money, whatever you want to do, okay? <laughs> Menu Harley or something like that. I have a word this morning. Um, like it's, my wife asked me, what are you going to preach about? And I said, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm just honestly going to speak from my heart about what God has been stirring in me over the last uh, year. Um, it's this journey that God's been on for us. And so um, this morning you might think, hey, he's coming in a little hot. I want you to know that this is all things that God has been doing in me first. And so, but third service, you guys seem a little loose, looser than the, than the first and second. Some of you maybe need to transplant the first service a little bit to kind of ramp it up there. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we really do come before you this morning open-handed open-hearted to you, the, the King of glory, the King, Jesus. You are the King, and we are your people. And so we come before you, Jesus, and we submit all of our ways, everything that we are to you, Jesus. And we ask this morning that you would do something new in us. Show us your heart. God, may your face shine upon us today. May we see you clearer than we've, not, than we've seen you before. Not because of a message that we heard, but because we, 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 we encountered the living God who still changes people today. 
Lord, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I know many of you are sick, as probably I am, of talking about the last year and COVID and all that stuff, and I don't want to rehash it, but I do want to address some things this morning that this past year has been a, a great year of revealing. It's revealed what is true. It's revealed what is unshakable. It's revealed what needs to be shaken. It revealed some of us that have shaky foundations. For some of us, we weren't where we thought we were in our relationship with Jesus. For some of us, we were surprised that, oh, you know what? I had a deeper relationship with the Lord than I thought. But it was a year of, of, of great revealing. But one thing that it's revealed to me more so than ever is that Jesus is the only answer. And I, I really, I need you to hear, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, just please hear me that Jesus is the only answer. He's the only answer. He's the answer to everything that you're facing in this life. He knows you. He sees you when you lay in bed at night, when your mind is racing. He sees you and he knows you. And he is the answer. And he has the answer. And he is the answer right now. And I was so reminded of that this last September. I was back home in Fargo. And in the church where I grew up, we used to, or after I got saved, we there's this platform or the stage and under the platform there's this area where the choir would meet. And I used to spend hours and hours just worshiping the Lord down there. And I found myself back there this last fall and the Lord reminded me of that, that time. See, when I was 20 years old, I was a drug addict. I was a cokehead and I was an alcoholic. I was depressed. I thought about blowing my brains out almost every day. And then I met this one, Jesus. And he found me. I didn't find him, he found me. In a parking lot of a diner, I gave my life to Jesus and he began to change my life. He began to transform me and do something that I didn't thought would be possible or that why would he even want to do something as someone like me? And I used to go down under that platform and I used to spend hours alone with Jesus. And there was this big piano back there and I would just pound away at that piano and just worship and worship and worship. And this prayer began to arise in that time. Jesus, you're the only answer. You're the only answer. In that time of my life, listen, I had nothing to offer him. But my little life, I thought, Jesus, why would you even want to save someone like me? Jesus, you're the I'm just so grateful to be included I'm so grateful to even have a spot at the table. Jesus, you're the only answer. And so this last September, I was down there on my face again before the Lord, and the Lord reminded me of that time. And he said, Tony, the prayer's never changed. The prayer's never changed. I'm the only answer. And you never grow up out of that. You never graduate from that place, that he is the only answer. And I want you to know this morning, you never get too wise or too old or too big for your britches to grow out or graduate from that place that he's the only answer for your life. He's the only answer. And I believe that God is bringing us back to this place, this great returning to the first things, to the simple things of what it is just to be included, what it is to just be part of the family, that he would look upon you and say, this is my son, this is my daughter, and whom I love and who I have a plan and purpose for. 
Because I can tell you there's been times as I've walked with the Lord that I've fallen away from that, where I've spit in his face, where I've betrayed him, where I did things that I thought as a man I would never do. And the Lord still welcomed me back. He still welcomed me back. He said, I'm the answer for your life, Tony. I'm the answer. So listen, this journey that I've been on, it's brought me to this place of like, God, I've been settling in, in, our, in this church life. I've been, we've been settling for Sunday morning churchianity where we kind of come and we just kind of hear, we, we sing some songs and we hear a message and then we, it was good and we just pat ourselves on the back, but it has no relevance to any other part of our life. And we're Sunday morning Christians and not Monday through Sunday Christians. We're not marked by his spirit. We, have, we, we know a form of godliness, but it has no power. We settled for a shallow version of this thing. And how it must grieve the Lord to hear our faithless prayers at times, to believe him for so little when he is so much available for us. And God's been stirring and said, Tony, there's more. There's more. There's more. And we've experienced a shaking this year, and it was not caused by God, but he used it to reveal. And now I'm praying this prayer, God, would you shake us with your spirit? God, shake my life. Shake my life. Do something in me. Wake me up, Lord. My son, he turns three tomorrow, and um, he's in that awkward stage of his life where he can't decide if he needs a nap or not. And so it's better if he doesn't because then he goes to bed at seven o'clock, his head hits the pillow, or he wants to go to bed. You know, if he takes a five-minute nap, he'll be awake till 10 o'clock. But some days are better than others, and some days you'll walk in the living room, and there he is curled up in the middle of the floor with a blanket around, his, uh, around him. Excuse me. And, um, or he'll fall asleep in the car on the way someplace. But like I told the other services, one of his spiritual gifts is that he falls asleep immediately, and he's out for like as long as we'll... The only things that wake him up are Paw Patrol... And, uh, we, and then we literally have to like shake him, not enough to hurt him, so don't call child services, all right? <laughs> but we actually have to like, Dean, wake up, Dean, wake up. We have to sit him up and his you know, head is wobbling. We're like, son, wake up. And he'll open his eyes, but he's not awake. He's not conscious. He's, his eyes are open, but he's not awake. The other week we, had to, we went to the park and I... It's his favorite place, one of his favorite places to go. And I said, son, we're at the Miracle Park. We're at the Miracle Park. Son, wake up. We're at the Miracle Park. I had to like stand him up like until he was like supporting his weight. And finally he woke up and he snapped out of it. He goes, oh, we're at the park. And he ran off and played in the park. But he was sleeping. And you know, many of us are sleeping. Our eyes are open, but nobody's home. Right? Our eyes are open, but we're not awake. And we say, God, shake us. God, shake me with your spirit so that I might, that I might be, be awakened from this slumber. But listen, to be shaken, you have to surrender. And we talk about that word a lot, surrender, but as humans, we're not really very good at it because it's a scary place. It's a vulnerable place to surrender your will and your ways, your purposes, your plans to this almighty God. And I'm not here to pretend that it's an easy thing because it isn't, but it's something that God's required of his people is this place of surrender, that he is the king. He is the king. And you know, his word says that we serve a God who does what he wants. 
And so I know that doesn't help the case to surrender because it's like, I don't know what he's going to do sometimes. But to me, that makes it a great adventure. That every day I wake up and I say, literally anything could happen. I had no plans to ever live in Iowa. And I don't, my wife, when she hears me say that, she's like, you're from North Dakota, so it's not like you, this is an amazing state. And I think North Dakota is an amazing state, but never in my life would I have thought I'd be in Iowa. But I thank God that, I, that, that he saw something for me in Iowa that I never saw. To live on this great adventure, and I want you to know this morning that if Christianity has become boring to you, that you're doing it wrong. That there's this great adventure that God has for you and for me. And he's looking to a people that would be surrendered to him. So in Acts chapter 4, we have this beautiful story of the early church. In Acts chapter 3, this is four, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's about two years after the day of Pentecost. So we have this like establishment of what normal Christianity looks like. Or should look like. It's a people that are set on fire, empowered and equipped to give the devil a bad day every day. And so we see Peter and John going to the temple in Acts 3 and they meet a man who's lame. He's been lame for 40 years and the power, by the power of Jesus, the, this man is healed, and he follows them around, creating this huge scene, and it causes them to stand before the Sanhedrin, this, the leadership of that day, and they make threats, tell them to stop doing what they're doing. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, this is their response to that, the, the first persecution that they start to encounter. And there would be more. All of the disciples except for John would lose their life for this gospel. In verse 23, it says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the, the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider your, their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. Now all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed to have any possessions that were their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. And we can stop there. I love their response to difficulty, to persecution. Now, many of us haven't or haven't experienced the type of persecution that they will, 
or that they did, but they had this incredible response. It wasn't, Lord, make this stop. It wasn't, Lord, change their minds. Give me the right words to help them see. But instead, it was, well, the first thing we see them do is worship. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. They begin in this place of worship. They had come together. We don't know exactly how many there were, but they had come together. They gathered to this place of worship. You know, God didn't forget that he made the heavens and the earth and the sea. Right? They, that's one thing that worship does. Is, is it, again, it reminds us of who God is and what he's done and his character. It's all about what we're focused on, our attention. And that's really what worship is. It's that which captures our attention. That which captures our attention. When I first met my wife, we, we went on a date and we hung out every single day that week. And I, didn't, I knew that that probably wasn't the right thing for me to do. But she goes, do you do this with any, most girls that you date? And I said, no, I don't. But my attention was, I just was captured by her. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. When I wasn't with her, I would think about her constantly. This is the type of heart that God desires that we have for him. That our attention, and many of us are distracted in this life. So my prayer is, God, would you shake the distractions off my life? Distractions are water to the fire of your heart. But attention is gasoline. And what are you giving your attention to? And we live in a great age of distraction. And we're missing out, I believe, in so many ways about God. What is it? What do you have for us? Oh, that we might look up from our phones for a moment to see the world around us and say, God, what would you have me do? That we would shut off the noise in our life so we could hear God whisper. God's not going to shout over the noise in your life. Come on, but one word out of his mouth can change the trajectory of your life. And all that we might sit in his presence and just say, God, I love you. You're the king. Jesus, it's only you, King Jesus. There's no one else but you, King Jesus. You're the one who heals diseases and heals cancer, Lord. You're the one who transforms a life, who heals people of depression, Lord. You're the one that transforms a mind and renews it. You're the one that brings broken marriages back together. Jesus, it's you. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves back in this place of alignment with God's presence and his spirit again, God's will for your life in this place of worship. And the beautiful thing is, hopefully you've realized over this last year how much we need one another, how much we need to gather. Because when we come to this place of worship together, we're proclaiming the truth of God over one another, over ourselves and over our city. The word goes forth. God, you are the way, way maker. You are the miracle worker. It's you, Jesus, King Jesus. And as a group of people, we come into one heart and one mind together. God, would you shake the distractions from our life? We're listening to so many voices other than the, the voice of the Lord. You know, from the very beginning in the garden, Eve was talking to the devil when she could have been talking to, Jesus, to, to God. And listen, you might think whatever it is, whatever news that you listen to is the right one. I'm not, it doesn't matter what brand you like. 
that was free of charge and we won't charge you for that. We miss out a lot when we allow distraction to take over. There's a young man in our church, his name is Mason, and he um, gave his heart to the Lord in a youth group. His family doesn't know, he didn't grow up in the church. Uh, but God just set his life on fire and he came. Um, he's a sophomore year now, he's a sophomore now, but he came as a, as a freshman. And what I love is how God sets up things, right? God is always orchestrating divine appointments for your life. That's why it's so important that we're attentive to what he's saying. He's always setting up things for us, putting them in our, way, in our path that we would, he would use us in his plan of redemption. Well, Mason had this roommate, this new roommate he'd never met before named Michael. Michael didn't know God from a hole in the ground. And so my, their first week on campus, Mason began to share his life with, with Michael, share what the Lord had done, and Michael didn't really have any interest in that. Well, Michael had injured his back um, in high school, and it caused him a great deal of pain. And Mason said, well, Michael, would it be okay if I prayed for your back? I believe that God can heal your back. And Michael said, well, I guess it can't hurt anything. So Mason laid his hand on his back and prayed for his back, and God took the pain and, and, and fixed his, healed his back right there, right? And that'll wake a person up. That'll, okay, maybe there's something to this. Well, then... Mason got to lead his friend Michael to Jesus. And Michael gave his heart to the Lord and he just kind of would follow Mason around like a puppy everywhere that he'd go. Just, hey, we're gonna pray for this person over here. Great, that's fine. And we're gonna go do this. Great. Well, one night it came out that the, the few guys were all hanging out and it came out that Michael had never been baptized. And they said, well, we gotta baptize you. And so what they didn't do is say, well, we gotta call Pastor Tony and we gotta set up a baptism or we need him to come over here but instead they said, let's fill up the bathtub. And so they brought him upstairs, right? 18, 19-year-olds on a Friday night. They baptized Michael in that bathtub. He came up out of the water filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking a language he didn't know. Why? I believe Mason wasn't distracted. God, would you shake the distractions off of our life? God. May we be a people on mission. A church without a mission is not a church. A church without the power of God is not a church. It's a social club. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, shake the distractions off of our life. So they worshiped together and then they prayed. And again, they didn't pray, Lord, make this easier. But instead, enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. They were told to stop. Don't do this again. Stop healing people. It's bad. Stop talking about Jesus. Don't do it. And they said, we will. And in verse 33, it says, And with great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. With great power with boldness. This is one of those portions of scripture where we see the prayer and then we see the answer. They asked for boldness. And then it says that the whole place where they were meeting was shaken. I believe in some ways we've lost the sacredness of our time together. We've become 
very casual. And I'm not talking about what we wear, obviously. But I'm talking about the casual nature in which we enter this time together. That we've lost the expectancy that maybe God could move and God could do something. There's a man in our church recently who has never walked with the Lord. And he wanted into our church because he needed answers in his life. And he, during worship, no one was preaching. During worship, he said, I felt the love of God, and I've never felt the love of God before. That day, he gave his life to the Lord. Last Sunday, he was baptized. And he got up and he testified. He said, my, my daughter gave her heart to the Lord four or five years ago, and one of her greatest desires was that I would come to know Jesus. Two years ago, she died in a car accident. And he said, I don't, I've been... I haven't known up from down. I've been running around in circles, and today I met, I met God. I met with Jesus. Come on, there's a sacredness to this. There's a beauty in this that we would come together, people from all over the world, to this one. There's this word in the Greek, brethren, and it sounds like a very liturgical dry word, but it means adelphos in the Greek. It means brother, brothers and sisters born of the same father that we could come together as brothers and sisters of the same Father under King Jesus, under the banner of Jesus, and that he would show up and his presence would come and his spirit would move upon us and change a heart and change a life and heal a body. I'm sorry if, if some of this is new, but this is the gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel. This is why Jesus came and we've settled in many ways for so little. Worship team, you can come. They prayed for boldness. And my prayer this morning, God, would you shake the fear from our life? God, shake the fear from our life, the fear of what people will think, the fear of rejection, the fear of looking like an idiot. God, when we look like fools for you, King Jesus, that one day when we stand before you, you will say, well done, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Because look at what happens in chapter 5 of verse 12. It says, this again is an answer to those prayers. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders. And that's what happens. In verse 12, it says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. And no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. The crowds also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick, those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Do you want to know what the Greek translation for all is? It's all. All. They were all healed, every single one of them. It doesn't say that that any of them weren't. It says they were all healed, every single one of them. This was the answer to prayer. It's a people set on fire for, for Jesus. A people set on mission for Jesus that said, you're going to have to kill me. That's how you're going to stop me. You're going to have to kill me. And the result was that God gave them more. God gave them more. More of his presence and people came from all over to receive from King Jesus. That's been one of our prayers as a church in Ames, Iowa is that, God, we would be a hospital for the hurting. 
that people would set foot on our grounds and cancer would leave. That people would give their hearts to the Lord even during the worship. We recently, we, have a, we rent out our, our, our parking lot to a construction company during the week that's doing work nearby. And one of our prayers is, Lord, I pray that construction workers would, would start feeling your presence when, they just, when they're going to work and they come back injured from work or have a bad knee or hip or shoulder. They would start getting healed. Well, this last week, we had a, one of those construction workers come to our church and he didn't even know why he was there, right? But we know. Listen, there's a lot at stake. There's people that God has put around you that you're the only one that's praying for them. There's people that God has put you in your sphere of influence that you are the one that is to represent Jesus. Show them what Jesus looks like. And I'm not talking about perfection. And I'm not talking about you getting the glory. But our job is simply to take someone's hand and say, here he is. And I'm with you. I'm with you. This last fall, I met a young woman. Her name is Ann. And she was working at, it was a Friday, and she was working as a barista at a coffee shop. Two young women came in to get some coffee, and while she was making their drinks, their, the espresso machine broke down. So they're waiting for it to get fixed, and she, these two young ladies start talking to Ann and they say, hey, tonight we're going to this the service. You should come. And so Ann didn't have anything else to do, so she thought, all right, I guess I'll go. That night she came and man, God had her number. She gave her heart to Jesus that night. Began her journey with God. That night I felt the Lord saying that he wanted to heal people with gluten tolerances and autoimmune diseases. And God healed, healed many. Um, but she came forward and came and talked to me and she said, she asked me this question that I think a lot of people are asking. Can God heal me? You know, a lot of people are asking that question. Can God heal me? Could God save me? Could God restore my marriage? Could God change me? I want you to know the answer is yes. It's always yes. Never in the Gospels do we see Jesus turn anyone away. She told me six months ago, she woke up in the morning and her eyes, she had this terrible pain in her eyes and she opened up her eyes and she had lost all color and she had lost the peripheral vision. Well, she went to the doctor and the doctor said, do you have this disease and you're, you're going blind? You're 21 years old and you're going blind. It's not gonna be long now. Your sight's gonna get worse and worse and you're gonna be blind. Well, she also suffered from epilepsy, had these terrible seizures and an autoimmune disorder. So when she came, she's literally really asking, can God heal me? Jesus is the answer. And I said, yes, he can. Let's pray. And I just laid my hand on her and said a simple prayer. 
And she opened her eyes and she gasped and she, all the color had returned to her eyes and the peripheral vision had opened up and all the pain left her eyes. She said, do you think I'm healed of my epilepsy? And I said, yes, but you should, you should keep taking your medicine. And the doctor will tell you when you can't, when you should stop taking your medicine. You know, medical healings are not second-class healings. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want, he doesn't want any of that stuff. So if, a doctor, if you get healed by a doctor through medicine, man. So she went to the doctor, and I'm happy to report she hasn't had a seizure since September. And she, her autoimmune disease is gone. She's healed. Listen, why? Why, though? Where did it start? It's because there was two young women who looked across the counter and saw a human being and had the boldness to say, would you just simply come? You're never going to talk anyone into heaven, and you don't need to try to save anyone. All we need to do is give people an opportunity to experience God's presence. That's why, this, that's why Sunday morning Christianity needs to die. Sunday morning ch churchianity, it needs to die. We need to say... It's over. We need a, a people that are so on fire for King Jesus that we say, Lord, light us on fire that when we leave this place, that when we leave this pe place, people would say, that must be somebody from Life Church. They didn't have to tell me. They don't have a t-shirt on. I know that must be a Life Church person. Would you stand with me? God's not looking for the most talented, the most gifted of person. He's looking for a life laid down. His eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth, looking for a heart that's holy is. And there's nothing that he cannot do with, with your life. But we gotta pray this prayer, God, shake me to the core. God, shake me with your Holy Spirit. Blow the dust off my life. Shake off all that junk. God, shake off the distractions. Shake out the fear from my heart. May I burn with passion for you. So would you just begin to do that? Right now, just begin to focus your attention on King Jesus. He is a king. He is a king. And he has a kingdom. And it will not be shaken by the things of this world. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Begin to focus your attention on King Jesus right now. Lord, our prayer this morning is that you would shake us. Holy Spirit, would you just come upon us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. May your power and presence be so tangible in this place. That you would say, behold, I am doing a new thing. The old is gone. The old has passed away. I am doing a new thing. you're here this morning and you need to get your life right with Jesus, maybe you're like I was and you were, you're far away from God. Or maybe you've just been complacent and you're not where you need to be. If, if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but would you just put your hand up? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to, I want you, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray a prayer similar to this in your own heart. He's not looking for the magic formula of words. He's looking for your, uh, your heart. Lord, right now, I just give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you every single part of who I am. And I recognize this morning that I'm not where I need to be, that I've been pursuing the things of this world. But right now, I just turn from those things, and I turn to you, King Jesus. And I say, you sit on the throne of my heart. You are the center of my universe now, King Jesus.
And I pray you wash me in the blood. Wash me in your blood. Receive that gift of salvation that only comes through the blood of Jesus. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, right now I pray what you begin in my dear friends this morning and see it through to its completion. No wavering, no waywardness, but a constant devotion now to you, upward and onward for the rest of their life, deeper, deeper, deeper. And God, I just pray over this church right now. God, I pray a blessing over this church in the name of Jesus. May the power of God be the, the, the light that, that, that draws people into this place. May it not be our strategies. May it not be anything built by man, but I pray that we be building a church that you're building, Lord. And you said, my house will be a house of prayer and your house will not be shaken. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, you do something new this morning. In this church, I pray for more people would come into these, into, in, onto this property and they, they would experience healing in all areas of their life. Mind, body, soul, and spirit in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for a greater influx of salvations into this church in Jesus' name. They would be a city on a hill I pray strongholds in this town, God, would start to break down because of a people going hard after you, King Jesus. Hallelujah. We have to close. I'm over my time, but if you need healing in your body, would you just put up your hand really, really quick? Awesome. Keep your hands up. In the name of Jesus, I pray healing over my friends right now. Healing in Jesus' mighty name. Migraines that have persisted for years just go right now in Jesus' name. Irregular heartbeat right now in Jesus' name. Knees. Someone just received a diagnosis in a leg recently. I pray for healing in that leg right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for depression. Anxiety, I pray that it would, would go. Be replaced with the joy of the Lord right now in Jesus' mighty name. Bad backs, discs would be put into place. Autoimmune diseases, incurable diseases. Be made whole right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Continue responding to the Lord. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in a song. Our prayer teams are available on each side. And we'll close here in a minute.